We do welcome all to our services this morning. First off, let me thank all of you for the kind comments that you made concerning the lesson last week. I appreciated those very much, and I hope that you find this week's lesson, this continuation concerning the husband that we read about within the Bible. I think it is best as we begin this lesson, as maybe do just a very quick review of what we talked about last week. There are some of you that were not with us, uh, and then also those that were with us, just to bring our minds back into focus as to what we were speaking about. As we take a look at the review of this, first off, we saw that marriage was an institution that was given to us by God. In Genesis, the second chapter, verses 21 and 22, there we find that God took the rib from Adam, he made a woman, and he brought her unto him. So we can see that God originated marriage. He sanctioned this marriage, this living together, this cohabiting of a man and a woman. He made the woman because Adam was alone, and there was nothing that had been created that was comparable to him. So she was made a helper for him. We saw what made her a suitable helper. She matched him in many respects. She had the same physical makeup. She was flesh and bones, just like man was. Mentally, she was compatible unto him. She uh, she had intellect, she could think, she could reason, and so she was like him also in that aspect. And then also emotionally, she was like him. She could love, she could hate, etc. And so therefore, she was like him. But also she was different from him. But those differences complemented man. And the fact that she completes him in every way. We saw that man was a social being. That he needs interaction with another. And the wife gives man that day in and day out companionship that he needs. As Brandon said, this lesson is in conjunction with our theme for this year. And that is for me and my House, we will serve the Lord. In every aspect of our lives, we need to do what God has had to say to us. And so, therefore, as a husband, I need to look at what God's Word says, and I need to apply that unto my life. Well, let's look at some of the points that we've already looked at. The first thing that we looked at was that a good husband lives up to the commitments that he has made. When a couple gets married, they make a vow to each other, to be true to each other, to love one another, and the such like. And we saw, too, that God is a witness of those vows and those promises that man makes. We looked at Malachi, the second chapter, in verse 14, These people were questioning, why is not God 
accepting our sacrifices. And we can see that it was because the people were divorcing the wives of their youth. It is said that they dealt treacherously with those women, their wives. And God being a witness to that contract that was made, that it severed their relationship to God. God says, you aren't doing right. I am not going to accept your sacrifices and your worship. Secondly, we look that the good husband will cleave, as the King James Version says, to his wife. Genesis 2 and verse 24. This term cleave means a union of the firmest kind, a bonding together that nothing can separate. It is a bond that is stronger than the parent-child relationship. We see that they become one flesh. No longer are they two individuals, but they are now one entity. And what affects one affects the other. And then again, the good husband will love his wife. Ephesians 5, 25 and verse 28. We can see that Christ loved the church, and that is shown unto us as a pattern for man's love for his wife. Christ gave his life for the church, and a husband's love should be so great that he would be willing to give his life for his wife to protect her. In the verse 28 of Ephesians 5, we see there that you treat your wife the same way in which you want to be treated. The husband is to have the same care for his wife as he has for himself. Well, that's just a thumbnail sketch of what we talked about. Let's get into some new material. The first thing that we look at is that a good husband will seek to know what is required of him in this relationship with his wife. In 1 Peter, the third chapter, in verse 7, we are told, Husbands, likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Okay, so he's telling these husbands, you dwell with that wife. If you go back in 1 Peter 3 and you look at the first six verses of that chapter, you'll see there that Peter gave instructions as to how the wife wife was to obey the husband. Now he turns to the husband and instructs him in the treatment of his wife. Okay, husbands, now. Likewise, you dwell with them with understanding. Of course, this idea of dwelling with them, he is speaking about that domestic relationship between husband and wife. And I believe here, under consideration, are all aspects of living together in this marital relationship. And so, as a husband, I am to live with my wife with understanding. Well, I think I can see two ways in which I am to understand. The first way is 
to dwell with them with understanding is to know what your duties are uh, to them, what your responsibilities are to them in this relationship. Whenever I listen to a sermon, I endeavor to listen to it with the idea of how does that apply to me? Looking at my life and say, am I living up to what God has had to say? Am I doing his will? How does it apply to me? As we are studying this topic, I believe every husband ought to be thinking of his own situation. Am I living up to what God expects me in this relationship to my wife? Here we see the term understanding. It can mean knowing God's word, his standard of moral living in this world. How am I upholding my obligation to my wife as set forth by God in the word? If one does not know his duties in marriage, how can he fulfill his obligations? And God has set forth what our obligations are, what our duties are, and that we need to fulfill those. But I have to know what he has had to say concerning that. If one does not understand the longevity that God intended for marriage, he may not seek to keep his marriage intact. And that's a problem that we have in this whole world that people don't live up to the vows that they have made and that they don't consider the longevity of marriage. They go into it with the idea that if it doesn't work out, I'll just get rid of her and I'll find another wife and try again. If one does not comprehend the honorableness of marriage, he will treat that he will not treat that relationship with any kind of honor. That is, each keeping themselves only for each other. Now, the English Standard Version renders this verse just a little bit differently. As you can see here, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. And maybe this just gives us a little different thought. And the second way that we understand is that we know our wives. Everybody is different. What one enjoys, the other may not. How we think can be different. If you will, allow me to use a personal illustration. Of course, Chris and I have just been married for two and a half years. And... Chris and I, um, maybe were a little bit naive as we went into the marriage relationship. She had been married to Daryl for 35 years before he passed away. I'd been married to Brenda for 43 years before she passed. And um, we both kind of thought, "Mm, we're kind of old hats at this game of marriage. Uh, We're just going to go in and it's just going to be the same as what it was before. But it didn't take long to realize that I was not Daryl and I wasn't like Daryl. And I had to realize that Chris was not like Brenda 
And I had to understand that, and I had to realize that. They are different. And that is okay. I just had to learn what made Chris tick. And so that is what I mean by getting to know to understand your wife. One area which both of them were identical is the fact that they both had a great love for the God of heaven. And I'm thankful for that. But I'm to dwell with my wife with understanding in an understanding way. I think this requires a conscientious and a deliberate effort. This takes paying attention to your wife. Look at her. Observe her. See what she is doing and how she does it. What she likes and what she doesn't like. Learn from the mistakes that you make. And I made some mistakes. Maybe saying just the wrong thing that she took wrong. And I had to learn. Tom, don't say that again. Because that wasn't good. But anyway, we learn from those mistakes. Knowing what makes her laugh. What makes her cry. What encourages her and what discourages her. What brings her joy. And what makes her sad. I need to know my wife. But as we go on further in this verse, we can see that as a good husband, I will honor my wife as the weaker vessel. This is found for us in 1 Peter 3 and 7, as we've got up here, the idea of this honor. If you go back and you look at the uh, Greek definition of uh, from the word for we get honor, it means to esteem especially of the highest degree. Uh, If you go to a dictionary, you can see there that it means to regard or to treat someone with admiration and respect. We honor our wife. Thus, I think we can see that the concept of this verse is that husbands are to treat their wives in a way that demonstrates the value of, that they see in their wife. So this word basically just means to the giving and acknowledging of value or worth that belongs unto someone. Let me give you an example. In 1 Timothy 6, verses 15 and 16, which he will manifest in his own time, he who is the blessed and only potentate the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality dwelling in an unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Here speaking concerning God, we give God glory and honor. Why? Because we acknowledge his value, his worth. God's value is far greater than all of creation. He made all of it. And so we offer worship unto him. We honor him. He deserves such. And to a lesser degree, the wife deserves honor. In Peter's day, much of the world viewed women with very little respect at all. They were not much different than what a slave was maybe just a step above a slave. 
They had no rights. They were property. They were at the mercy of their husbands for everything. But the good husband will look at his wife differently. He sees the value of that good wife. And seeing value in her, he honors her. And you would not hurt someone that you honor. You would only want to do good for them. I read a story uh, just recently where there was a man that kept a list of all the good points about his wife. And I guess this husband and wife had a strong temperament, both of them. And when they would get into an argument, the argument got rather heated to the point that she would storm off to one end of the house and he to another end. But he kept this list of all the good points of his wife. And when they had this disagreement, he would get out the list and he would read over that list to see all of her good points and what value that he had in that woman. And it would change his thinking altogether and he would want to reconcile with his wife. That is, we, and we ought to have a list, maybe a mental one, but of all the good things about our wives that we can think about. And if we have that, we will honor her. Now, the reason that we honor her is because she is the weaker vessel. Um, we see in this idea of weaker that she just does not have the physical strength that man has. If man wanted to, he could lord over her. He could force her in many things. Physically, she does not have the strength of man, but that doesn't make her of any less value. You think of it, Christ died for her. Therefore, she has values in the eyes of God. She is man's equal in Christ. Here in this verse in 1 Peter, you can see being heirs together of the grace of life. In Galatians, the third chapter, in verse 28, it says, Therefore, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. There is neither Jew nor Greek. It doesn't matter what nationality you are. It doesn't matter what your social standing is in this life. And it doesn't matter whether you're male or female. You're all one in Christ. You are equals. And a good husband is called upon to esteem his wife, to care for her, even the point of laying down his life for her. But the weaker vessel is not to be treated as something of lesser value, but someone to love and to honor as this equal in Christ. This passage in no way says that a woman is inferior to man. Morally, intellectually, in their rights as a person, or in any other way are they a lesser being. 
they are equals. Since she is the equal, since she is the weaker one, though, as a husband, I am to protect her and I am to care for her. I see in this that the woman is more tender and delicate than what the man is. This makes them good mothers as they fulfill their role of nurturer of small children. You know, when little Johnny gets an ouchie on his finger, who does he run to? Why, he runs to mom, doesn't he? You don't go to dad. Dad doesn't have much sympathy for you. He kind of says, well, just shake it off. You're not going to be the last time that you're going to have a hurt. I've heard my dad say to me one time, I didn't feel anything. In other words, he's telling me, just get over it. Go on about your business. But a mom is not that way. Oh, she would take that finger and she'd get out a damp cloth and she would wipe it off. You know, make sure there was no dirt on it. Even if there was no blood showing, she would get out a Band-Aid. Band-Aids are just miracles, aren't they? That take away the hurt of those little children. And not only just any Band-Aid, but she would make sure that boy had a superhero Band-Aid on it. And then just to make sure everything was all right, she would kiss it better. That's a mother, a nurturer, that kind of person. I recently read a book on D-Day, and maybe for some of you that are younger, you don't know what D-Day is, but that was when the Allied forces in World War II crossed the English Channel and uh, to get onto the shores of France to the European continent so they could finally defeat the Germans. But the Germans weren't wanting them to get on that beach. And so there was a rather bloody battle that went on. And it was said that you could hear the wounded men yelling for their mother. Why? Mom makes everything better. They are more suited than the man to see to the needs of children and to the house. In my life, I have observed and been thankful for the care that Brenda showed my family and showed me as my children grew up, how she made for a good house. She made my life better and complete. And today, Chris does the very same thing. She is no different in her care for me. In this life, I have been truly blessed. Men, she needs to be treated like fine china and not like an old clay pot. Fine china has a special place in the house. It has kind of a place of honor. And it is prized. Whereas that old clay pot is just thrown anywhere, it really is without worth, and if it gets broken, so what? Treat her like that fine china. Husbands, if you fail to do such, 
you're going to jeopardize your soul. As you see here in in 1 Peter 3, that your prayers may not be hindered. If we don't treat our wives correctly and honor them properly, we are in jeopardy of God not listening unto us. Well, the second point today, that is that the good husband will show physical affection to his wife and to her only. First, as a husband, I am to be totally committed to my wife and her only. In the book of Hebrews, 13 chapter and verse 4, it says, Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Now, as you look at this, this is the New King James Version. As it makes this, it makes this verse sound like a statement of fact. But I do not believe that that brings out the total meaning of what the writer intended here. We look at the English Standard Version, and it says, Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. So what he is doing is, here he is issuing a command. You keep that marriage in honor, and do not defile that marriage bed. This institution of marriage is to be respected and to be held in honor. It is of great value to mankind. As it talks about here, the marriage bed, that denotes the sexual union in a marriage relationship. This bed is to be kept pure and not be polluted by fornication and adultery. There are few urges as universal as sex. And so it's critical for all believers to maintain a godly, healthy approach to sexuality. And this includes fidelity within the marriage. Well, another purpose of marriage relationship is the making of a family. Genesis 1, 27 and 28 Here we see that so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. It is in this relationship that one man and one woman that God intended for children to be brought into this world. And it seems that man just cannot understand that or else we would have the number of fatherless homes and uh, abortion clinics. Now, in this marriage, children are to be brought into this world. And there are legitimate reasons why some may not bring children into the world. It may be the case of a genetic defect that one has. And so they do not want to pass that genetic defect to the next generation. And so they decide, no, we will not have children. Or maybe because they are physically unable to have children. That sometimes occurs. But if the reason is of a selfish nature, such as being afraid that the attention of the wife would be drawn away, or I don't want the financial burden of a child. 
It'll take away from my free time. I, we can't go on vacations because it's harder to take children along. Those are all selfish reasons. In Psalms 127, we read there that children are a blessing. And happy is the man who has a quiver full of them. Men, if your wife wants children, but you don't want to be bothered, you are being selfish. But God also regulated husbands and wives in this part of their relationship that is of the sexual nature. In 1 Corinthians 7, 3 through 5, let the husband render to his wife the affection due her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time, that you may give yourselves to fasting and to prayer, and come together again so Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. God created this physical desire in men and women. It not only aids in the procreation, but also to draw a couple closer together in this relationship of one flesh. It is never to be withheld to inflict hardship or punishment over a disagreement, to control, to manipulate your wife into something just to get your own way. As we see here, let the husband render to his wife the affection that is due her. Paul here is reminding them of their sacredness of their vow and the fact that in person, property, and in every respect, they belong unto each other. The only time that it is to be withheld is by the consent of both, and that is the only time. A good husband will take the lead in the home. Ephesians 5, beginning with verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husband as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. In every institution of life, there has to be one who is the head. And if that institution is going to succeed, it is dependent upon two things. First off, that the person, somebody, exercise the proper authority. And then there is the willful submission to that authority. You look in all aspects whether it be government, in schools, in business, and in marriage, and so on and so forth, whatever institution you can think of, there has to be someone who leads and someone who follows. In this relationship, it is essential that man and woman know where they stand, as well as their responsibilities 
in that relationship. I have uh, something here in my notes that I've decided that I'm not going to talk about because I'll leave that up to Brian as he talks about the wife's submission when he brings a lesson on the wives. But we see that God has placed that headship over women in men. We can see a comparison here. Here we see that the church looks to Christ for direction and honors him by such. So the wife looks to her husband and by being in subjection to him shows her respect for him. But it also shows us something else. And that is that man has a responsibility to lead in this relationship. But there are many men who do not lead. It might be for various reasons. Maybe the person just did not have a good role model growing up. His father did not leave and lead and hit their home. And so he doesn't really understand or know how to lead. Some men are just lazy. It's just easier to let the wife take over and go about leading the household. Other men simply give up when their wives challenge them for leadership. There are some women that are just natural leaders, and they want to lead, and they challenge the husband, and the husband, to just keep peace in the family, just lets her go ahead and do it. Others can be harassed into giving up leadership. She might say something to the effect of, look at all the wrong decisions that you've made in the past. I'm going to take over now. And so he is harassed into doing it. But we see that that is not God's plan for man. It is man that is to take the lead in the home to be the head. And a man who follows the teaching of the word and is the type of husband that he should be, will be the type of person that can be respected by his wife and make it easy to follow his direction. He can be a good leader. If we have a man that lives up to the vows that he has made unto his wife, that he stands beside her no matter what happens, caring for her, providing for her, she will respect him for it. And I believe that she would be willing to submit unto his direction. If if two have truly become one and he has a love for his wife, headship will not be a problem. And the reason being is because he will not be some kind of tyrant in the home. He will not act like a king or a dictator, but he will have benevolent care for his wife. He will take his wife into consideration in her decisions. You know, the woman, I believe, should always feel as if uh, that is her position in the home, her input, and her being is just important to the family as what his is. He will be a man that will listen to the thoughts of his wife before coming to a decision on matters. She may have a better idea. And brethren, I'm speaking from experience here. 
There have been times that I have thought of doing something, but after sitting down and talking it over with my mate, that they have a better idea. And so I decide then that we'll follow what she thinks. But I made the decision. If I love her as I do myself, then I will always have her best interest at heart. If she is the right type of woman and you are the right kind of husband, this should never be an issue within the home. Man should always seek the best for both in this relationship. Men are to lead and they are to lead in a proper way. Brother uh, Wendell began teaching this morning. I think they call them guideposts for discernment. And discernment is just making decisions, isn't it? But I think that many of those things that he had to say in that lesson and the things that we will study as we continue therein, that those are a good starting place for husbands to learn leadership. You need, too, to be the spiritual leader in your house. You need to help each other to get to heaven. And men, whatever you do, don't make any kind of decisions that will hurt her spiritually. And that's what I have to say concerning uh, husbands. And I thank you for your good attention, and I hope it was beneficial to you. But we're going to stand in a moment, and we're going to sing a song of encouragement. It is our custom to do such, to allow any that are in our audience, if they have never been obedient unto God, to have the opportunity to do so while they have time and opportunity. Or maybe you have sinned and you need to confess that sin so that you might stand right in the sight of God once again. We encourage you to come as we sing.